0: This episode is brought to you by the new D9 Business Directory. Shop Greek-owned brands from a variety of categories. And if you are Greek, author, or business owner, add your profile today at d9business.com. Honoring those trailblazers who preceded us is just as important as leaving a legacy for those who will follow us. Greekly Speaking is about highlighting Greeks today who are creating positive change for tomorrow. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to Greekly Speaking. I'm Eric, and joining me for this episode is Emmanuel Cherillion of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. He was initiated in the new Gamma Lambda chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha in 2019. He's currently the executive director at Tank Educates LLC. Emmanuel, how are you doing today, man? Welcome to Greekly Speaking.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate it, brother.
0: Hey, man, I'm glad you had a chance to take a few minutes to talk to us today on the show. We kind of connected out there on social media. Uh, I got a a, a glimpse of some of the content you were posting with your initiative to help educate our youth, particularly our young men. And I, I said, let me see what inspired this brother to take upon this mission man because I I was so impressed I felt so good that we have so many men such as yourself stepping up to the challenge we often hear about the the shortage of african-american men in the education system but you have stepped up to the plate and answered that call several times over right because you're also a professor I understand
1: yes sir professor of sociology and philosophy
0: Okay. And and where are you teaching currently?
1: At Rutgers University, as well as Rowan University, uh, uh, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and we'll just go
0: ahead and put out there, you're not speaking on behalf of those institutions or your fraternity. (laughs) You're just a member with some verified experience that uh, we're delighted to have you share with us today. But, you know, before we get into that, and we want to unpack as much as we can, you know, let us hear a little bit about your background and, you know, anytime Somebody said they denied, I, I gotta find out what I need to find out and <laughs> see what, what's going on. So, so first of all, where are you from originally?
1: All right, so I'm actually born and raised in Elizabeth, New Jersey, but my parents are from Haiti. And so um, they traveled here to give their children a better chance in education. And so uh, unfortunately my dad did not get to see it. He, he built his life to one day I'm going to go back to Haiti and retire and build this big old mansion. And his life was cut short, and so and, and if I could be transparent with your listeners, my dad was murdered. All right, so that that that's very important in my story. Um, wow. I was lost. I didn't know what to do, um, and I just remembered his sacrifice was for us to get a better education. So that's what actually motivated me to get to the the pinnacle of the system to see how high I can go to basically repay the sacrifice that he did coming over here. Um, He was murdered um, in the streets. Um, He was the cab driver, person robbed him. And so I had this idea of I wanted to make a change in my community. And not to go too long with my story, I just want to kind of tell you how I pivoted back to education. I was actually a business undergrad. And so I went to the business world, I really skyrocketed it up making six figures, living a good life, traveling 26 countries, but I felt empty. I just felt like, man, I should be giving back. So after 18 years of that, that's why I went to education for the very reasons you mentioned, not enough of us in there, I felt like I could make a difference. And so I became a teacher and then opened my own education consulting company. So that's kind of what brought me to education where I'm at today.
0: You know, we're all fueled by different circumstances Yes, and life events man and it, it sounds like you did a really good job of taking that experience and that set of absolutely. circumstances and 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 using that to help get you in a better place where you can make an impact and and I commend you for that when we talk about you know here on greekly speaking is you know we have so many d9 greeks that are doing some great things as far as community goes community service is one of the main things you're going to find in common with all of our organizations I just want to understand a little bit about your your Greek journey and you know <laughs> what, what what attracted you to Alpha Phi Alpha what mm-hmm. what what year did you join you said 2019 2019
1: right? yeah so I, okay. I I'm, a, I'm a later addition and I have zero Greek in my family so I, I I never seen it in person until I actually went to college campus. And on my college campus, it was the Qs, Sigmas, and Deltas who really had the stamp, which was William Patterson University. Um, there were no alphas at that time. That's another story which we'll talk about. But, uh, um, so I was a football player. And so for me, I, I was busy doing that and I didn't really have the background. So I didn't really know the extent of it until, unless what I saw at the parties. And I, and I was already good with the social skills. So I was like, I didn't need it. <laughs> I see how you slide
0: that in, I I like that.
1: (laughs) And so what happened, um, I I became a lover of history after my bachelor's degree. So that's when I started doing the deep reading. We talked a little earlier about philosophy and things like that. I started really studying the civil rights movement and and I just realized D9 organizations, if you look at all the pivotal moments in African-American history in this country, uh, when we talk about after Pledges versus versus Ferguson, we start moving from that point on. A D nine organization was somewhere in the mix to the point of this month right now, uh, Black History Month, started by Omega Sci-Fi, and Alpha. You have Dr. Carter G. Wilson and Minister, uh, the Minister Friedman, uh Moreland, excuse me, Mr. Moreland. So my thing is, when you start really breaking down our history. D9's all over the place. And so I started investigating at that point. That's what actually um, got my attention. And as I started studying, um, I started seeing a lot of alpha men that I looked up to as Martin Luther King, Thurgood Marshall. And I just really started really doing some insight into Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity and corporate. So that I, I patterned my life really behind Martin Luther King. So he has a huge influence of why I specifically went Alpha Phi Alpha. But that's really how my interest with the D9 organization came back.
0: I love it, man. And um, so um, at your chapter, when you were initiated, how many other brothers came in with you?
1: It was line of five. Uh, okay. So uh, I was the deuce. Uh, so two Tucson over
0: church. Yeah, so they gave me Tucson. That. Okay, I get
1: it. I, get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it, man. That, that's all good, man. So you had you developed yes. this love of history, which kind of led you to a lot of exposure of the D9 organizations. What did your family think when you told them you were going to make this this move to the fraternity oh, thing? Or was man. it just so new?
1: They didn't quite understand why I was doing. They felt like I was accomplished, and they're like, you know, why do you think? And I just was like, I-, I just know this is something I need to do to continue to go where I'm trying to go. And man, now they're like, oh my God, you are right. the doors that's been opened since I became a brother of Alpha Phi Alpha is, uh, I can't even count. Um, Just to get one off the top, uh, I'm now sitting on the board of directors of Camden schools and that was definitely through the uh, fraternity. So so once you start getting these connections and network, um, you see it happening in a lot of other communities, uh, especially in the Jewish community, see how networking works. I think the D9 is strategically positioned where we can do it also for our, our community as well. So, so a lot of doors are open due to me being part of this great fraternity.
0: I love it, man. And let me just ask this, because I think you've probably done the most research of all of our guests so far, because <laughs> <laughs> with being, having a history background, if there was somebody who was thinking about, you know, joining the Greek organization fraternity or sorority, what advice would you give them?
1: I would say, um, do your research. All right. (laughs) Just don't just pick it because maybe you see a person, but understand, um, what drives the fraternity or, or sorority in this manner. Um, and then really look within yourself to see why you're doing it. You know, if you don't have a strong, why, um, I think you would not make a good person after you cross, but also you would have a hard process at the same time. So it has to be something that comes from deep within that you really want to do. And I think the people that really are strategic when, they, when they're when they joining these organizations become the best members in my estimation. Uh, you don't have a person that crosses, and then two years later, they're not engaged anymore. So really find out what's the driving force behind it tie that in with your purpose and your passion. If the organization stands behind all that, then yes, I think it would be great. And the last thing I would say is this. Um, you can be strong by yourself. Um, I think Fabulous says it best. I could be a movement by yourself, but we can be a force together. By me aligning with other like-minded individuals who see the world in a different way, it has really catapulted my career, but also my connections at high levels. And so when I look at it really, especially for the graduate chapters, um, as really a networking uh, group of like-minded individuals that are not only doing great, successfully in the world, but also doing, like you said earlier, great work in the community. Last point on that, I was a community guy. I I love doing work in the community, but what I'm able to do now Uh, 10 times stronger because I have a group of men that think the same way and have the same kind of passions. So we're able to multiply what I could have done just by myself.
0: I love it. And I'm glad that you mentioned the Mm -hmm. purpose and the passion, because that definitely impacts the participation, right? Oh yeah. And when you engulf that in a network of brothers or sisters that support you, uh, the sky's the limit. And, and I appreciate you sharing that with us, man. But what I really wanted to talk to you about in particular mm-hmm. is the work that you're doing with your organization, man. Take, educates. walk us through how that got started and, and, and tell us what that's about.
1: All right, so I, I'm a man of faith. So I'm gonna tell you, I, for me, uh, making money was never my main concern in life. It was, I wanted to die empty. I wanna make sure that everything that God gave me when he created me that i left it out on the field before i go back home right and so i was in a space where i was in a good job making good money but i just knew i wasn't tapping into my potential and so i like i told you i pivoted left a good you know usually people leave jobs that they hate i actually liked my job but i just knew i wasn't feeling fulfilled and so I said, I'm going to pour into the next generation of leaders and people in our community. And that's what drove me to be a teacher. Most teachers have a servant heart from what I see. It's it's not a field that pays a ton of money. So if you're in there most of the time because you love the children or you want to make an impact. But there's so much red tape and bureaucracy in teaching now most teachers now are not really being creative. You are told how to teach it, what to teach, how to. And so you, we've lost all creativity. So I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to open my own education consulting company where I'm the boss. I create curriculum. I create what we're going to talk about and no one can tell me how to do it. And so along being a professor, I created my own consulting company to address systemic things that I see in education, especially with black and brown boys and girls. Um, what I see, the curriculum doesn't reflect this. So what tends to happen, you have a one-size-fits-all curriculum addressed to a white audience, and they're forcing black and brown kids to assimilate to that. It doesn't connect with us. We drop out at a higher rate. We're not interested. Our grades plummet. And so I'm trying to argue with my company. There's a reason why our High school graduations rates are lower and we don't go to college as often and we're not engaged. It's the curriculum. It's not the kids. And so now I spend my life work educating principals, teachers, superintendents um, about changing the curriculum to diversify it and connect with us. Last point on that is this. Find me a five-year-old kid, put on a rap song, and yet they can tell me every lyric of the rap song without even studying it. We're very good auditory learners. We're very good with engaging with our bodies and movements. And we're very good with storytelling. So because I know that when I teach, I teach in a very narrative. I, I use a lot of music, videos, very engaging space. And so what I'm trying to articulate with the school systems is that they have to diversify their teaching strategies. So that way we're not just catering to one group. So that's what I initially started with. Uh, I don't know if you want to ask another question because we now are in another space, um, which is now the ex-offender space with tank Kids.
0: I love it, man, and and you really hit the nail on the head. I I experienced that many times, and mm-hmm. you know with family members. And I remember addressing a, a teacher <laughs> for one of my family members, and I was yeah. like, well, and, and sh- I think this person made a comment almost implying that they were underperforming. Yep, and I asked simply, "What was the objective of the lesson?" Mm, well, they're they're learning to write about what they read, and, and and I said, "So, what do you have them reading?" We're on Shakespeare, number dot 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 dot. I loved it. Um, you could ask any one of those folks any any questions about you know Michael Jordan or anybody else, and and they to your point. They could probably give you a 30-minute essay on what's going on. And I just challenged the person to think outside the box. I said, have you asked them what they prefer to write about? Have Mm. you asked them what they had to deal with? Have you asked them? Have you ever thought about developing any variances to this curriculum so that you can still hit your target absolutely, while coming up with innovative ways to hit your students? and they couldn't answer the question because this person was fresh out of grad school mm. out of that system that you just spoke about that's, <laughs> that's feeding a certain way of teaching Absolutely. which implies that there's only one way of learning mm. and, and um, we're not going to get on that right now I come on professor you, you're striking a nerve and yes, but i think 2021 is the time for those reactions to continue Absolutely. let's see if we can take that momentum and move on but once you change the youth and once you fuel the minds and provide a glimpse of the, the opportunities that are available, you might have people trying to reach these goals. And uh, if that happens, man, we gonna have to get rid of that tank educates, dude. <laughs> but what's going on, man? So so what are you doing in particular with the young with, with our young man, man? Uh um, yeah, so- and, and what feedback have you heard?
1: What I also do besides actually this would tie in with Alpha Phi Alpha um, I've partnered with them where we're now doing a mentoring program free mentoring program and we're teaching life skills and teaching things that can um, help them succeed and reach their goals. One of the things that I also push with school systems is that we got to stop pushing college is the only way in these communities. And I'm saying that to say there are other ways to be successful. For example, trade. There's a ton of money to be in trade. And not only that with trade, trade gives you actual tangible skills. Today, we have so many college-educated PhD people that don't know how to change their tire, don't know how to do basic fundamental life skills is because we've lost the skill in education. Right now, it's all book knowledge. And so I also push entrepreneurship. So I'm trying to say, let's give our children multiple ways to be successful, and not just this one route, which is the higher education route. Um, Besides the mentoring and the curriculum, what I'm also doing with our young youth is that I'm showing them tangible ways, life skills, like I said, to be successful besides the book knowledge. I also wanna talk about something that I'm spending a lot of time with is the school to prison pipeline, very mm-hmm. famous tagline, but what's happening scores of our children because they're not engaged, drop out. Now the options available to them are very limited and then they start falling into traps in the systemic streets that we leave. So besides working with the school on the front end, I'm also on the back end of the school to prison pipeline. So what I do, after someone, before someone's released in the state of New Jersey, if they're in the intensive supervision program, they have to, I'm contracted with the state, they have to come to my mentoring program for eight weeks where I teach ex-offenders life skills that I would teach in the schools. And so now you're learning things like interviewing skills and and things, basic computer literacy, uh, credit. Where do we learn that If you don't learn it, so things that I think schools should be focusing on, I make sure I give it to these individuals so that way the recidivism rate goes down. And so I'm I'm tackling this idea of the school to prison pipeline from the front end as well as the back end. So that's the bulk of what we do at Take Educates. I
0: must say it's refreshing to meet someone who always practices what they speak. And I've seen some of your content. And I've seen a remark recently where somebody was saying, oh, they were referencing money. And I, and I heard that you, if I may just put it out there, you say, I'm not doing this for the money.
1: Oh, and, yeah. oh and, and, yeah. And
0: I was, I was like, that is so powerful. And people mm-hmm. really need to understand you're yeah. doing it for the impact. You're doing it to save lives. And so, I, something else that I noticed in some of your other content was mm-hmm. the comparison you made between the school buildings and the prison buildings, and I'm like, this brother has been thinking like, I don't want to say way too much, but he is (laughs) quite on point with these comparisons and talking about, maybe spend a second talking about um, how those institutions are so similar.
1: Yeah, so one of the things that I'm constantly preaching is this idea of the school-to-prison pipeline. And I usually get pushback from the educators to say, oh, you're going too far with this. And I say, okay, look at the parallels between education systems, especially minority dominated spaces. You know, sometimes if I go to like a minority, high minority school, sometimes I see bars outside of the windows. I don't know if you ever seen that in the hood. Yeah, but yeah
0: well, so. <laughs> outside of Chicago, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, so I'm trying to say, a lot of the parallels, um, police officers, metal detectors as you walk in, this idea that you have to put uh, identification number on, just like we do with our inmates. You're no longer Matthew. You're number 1672. Standing online, the bell rings. You go to eat at a certain time. You play and recess at a certain time. It's almost like you are being trained to operate in a space when you leave here. And one of the things that I'm trying to say is that if you look at affluent areas and their educational space, I move my kids to a very affluent area, a very good school system. By eight, by third grade, second grade, my daughter can stand up and just walk out the classroom without raising her hand and say, I'm going to the bathroom. It's just such an emphasis on creative thinking and decision-making. And in the other context that I just talked about, such an emphasis on obedience and- Authority. Authority and following rules that at, by the time one graduates in 12th grade in that first context, you are subservient, you are a yes sir, yes ma'am, and you're looking for direction. And then the other student uh, is a free thinker and a critical thinker. So what I tell students is one context in a minority context, you're trying to teach these kids how to be good employees. And in the other context, you're trying to teach them how to be a good boss. And so, what I'm trying to get educationists to say is we need to level the playing field that both students are being taught the same messages, and it doesn't matter the color of your skin or the socioeconomic status.
0: Well stated, man. I, I think you definitely have your finger on the pulse of the community, man, and, and, and you can replace that zip code with any zip code in some of these urban areas. And I challenge anyone to see anything different than what you point out. And again, I, I just want to commend you for having the wherewithal, the form and organization that can actually challenge these issues uh, in a formal way right? Exactly. And, and engaging with the state. And what I like about your story is that you set, you're a living example of how a professional business can be established and mm-hmm. how young men can say, oh, wow, I didn't know you can do that. I see now an example of how I can potentially make a similar impact. And Absolutely. that's powerful, man. It's the imagery. Yeah, I was talking with some of my fraternity brothers last night, as a matter yeah. of fact, and we were talking about the power of imagery in the school system. Oh, I, yeah! One of my teachers, uh, Mr. So-and-so, you know, he, he, he always wore a suit. He was real, you know, these are the images that we need to see. So I can't thank you enough for providing one more positive image, man. And, and we're going to do whatever we can to, uh, to try to help support you. For our listeners out there that might want to learn more, where can they go?
1: They can go to www.tank, T-A-N-K, Educates with two D's, E D D U C A T E S dot com to see the scope of my work and see what I'm doing. I'm working with school systems, I'm working with ex offenders. I'm actually now um, working on a contract to start training police officers in the community um, because I feel like, you know, if I really want to make change, I can't just focus on the schools. There's a systemic problem with the community policing that's happening. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you would. A lot of people are shocked to find that out, but you know, so far the attorney, um, the, the assistant prosecutors, are working with me. They seem to be open-minded to the idea of me coming in. We're in preliminary talks, but my whole point is to say that I want to get in the space where we can start having some real conversations with powerful institutions that we built for long periods of time to start dismantling a lot of the things that's happening in our community.
0: That's awesome, man. Hey, I, and before we let you get out of here. Give us the rundown of, of tank. What, what, what are those initials for?
1: All right. So back in college, um, I was about 40 pounds heavier with all muscle. And I was what they call a beast in the weight room. So they would call me Tank. They'd be like, yo, don't, you don't want to mess with this guy. This is a tank right here. And I, I, I didn't want to lose almost my street credibility when I built this. I wanted to still be that guy uh, and still do my work. So I said, I'm going to use my street name, make it an acronym, which TANK becomes Teaching, Advocacy, Necessary Knowledge, and use my street name in a corporate setting. And so it it gives me great joy (laughs) when I could still use the same name I've navigated in Elizabeth, New Jersey in the highest places today. And so that's where the name Tank comes from. Educates, EDD. I have a doctor of education, so that's what the E-D-D stands for. Um, and so I'm still that guy. And so what I tell people usually, I'm still that ashy Haitian kid, um, but now I just put a couple of letters behind my name.
0: Dr. Emmanuel Charillian, Yes sir. educates. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for joining us on Greekly Speaking and educating us with some of the things we should be focusing on in in 2021 and beyond, man. We wish you nothing but the best of success and let us know if we can do anything to help promote you or your causes, okay?
1: Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Brandon.